0: Entertaining new possibilities. The palace theater, your palace, your place.
1: Good morning, everyone. Good Friday morning. Ah, Friday. Love Friday. I'm Sherry Marcucci, the host of Your Palace, Your Place, presented by the glorious, magnificent Palace Theatre right here in Waterbury, Connecticut. And we are so happy to come and be with you uh, every twice a month, actually, usually. I know we had a little bit of an odd schedule this past few weeks, but um, basically we're here twice a month and bringing you not only information, about what's happening at the Palace Theater, but also what's happening around us with other cultural institutions, arts organizations, lifestyle information. We try to give you a little uh, potpourri of things that we hope will be of interest. And today, I know you're going to be interested. I'm going to introduce in a minute or two our first guest. But before I do that, I do want to make a mention of a couple of things. Tomorrow is Connecticut Open House Day. All over Connecticut, I I believe there's about 150 different organizations and institutions that are open and offering something free of charge to the public tomorrow um, to welcome welcome our constituents in Connecticut and beyond because we have a wealth of things um, that are uh, attractions um, and things for people to do right here within our borders of Connecticut. You know, we talk about this all the time at the office, Connecticut is a culturally rich state. We have so much within a very small, you know, geographic footprint. Our state is small, but we have so much. I mean, I could rattle off ten theaters without even thinking about it. We have art museums, we have children's museums, um, attractions, um, all kinds of things. And so, being living in Connecticut, you know, the shame of it sometimes is we don't even appreciate or know what's right in our own backyard. So tomorrow, if you're not looking to do something, I know it's one of those spectacular weather days tomorrow. And some of these attractions are outdoors. So think about that. Um, Check them out. And at the Palace Theater, what we have going on from 9 to 1030, we actually have an opportunity for folks to come in and meet the reigning Miss Connecticut and Miss uh, Outstanding Team Connecticut and just kind of talk to them find out what it's like to be uh, a scholarship pageant uh, uh, winner I guess is the, is the best way or a title bearer and um, I, I think that's fun I've always wanted to know what the life of um, that I don't want to call them, they don't call them beauty queens. I know that. And I can't think of what else we could call them. But these young women who are looking mostly to get scholarship um, money. And this gives them a platform also for the things, the causes they care about. And if they're lucky enough to win, they promote that cause throughout their reign. So anyways, tomorrow morning... Nine to ten thirty. If you're looking for something to do early in the morning, stop into the Palace Theater, and if you've never been there, you'll be blown away by the beauty. It's spectacular. Also, Sunday for those who are theater theater buffs, you know what Sunday is. It's as one person I know um, has called it. It is the Super Bowl for theater geeks. It is the Tony Awards Sunday night. And um, and the Tony Awards are, are very exciting and special if you if you love theater. And this past week uh, I was I was supposed to attend this event and unfortunately I had a little um, dental emergency that needed to be taken care of so I wasn't able to. But one of my colleagues Meg Luddy did attend. It was a panel discussion put on by uh, the Connecticut Chapter of the League of Professional Theater Women. And the panelists were like a who's who, uh, people who are right in the trenches in the Broadway theater world. Um, Lauren Yarger, who has been on this program several times, she's a theater reviewer, Uh, Pat Addis, a producer, a theater producer, Susan Schulman, who will be our guest in the second half of this program this morning, Um, they were... um, talking about who they thought would be the the winners of the Tony Awards on Sunday. So that was kind of a cool thing, and I'm so sorry I missed it. And also, earlier in the week, the um, Connecticut Critics Circle um, awarded their best of, at their version, I guess, of um, not the Tonys, but similar to the Tonys, for uh, regional theater that um, had produced shows this past season and the winners and and I have to give a shout out to somebody that we all know and love locally Jimmy Donahue who was a nominee and uh, for his work in uh, a show at Seven Angels Theatre this past season so congrats to Jimmy and all the, all the winners um, and Sunday you know I'll have my best bib and tucker on like I'm there <laughs> and I'm rooting for my favorites so without further ado i want to introduce to you someone who is has become actually uh, a friend and i am so happy to have angiel mclaughlin murray here with us this morning welcome angiel Thank you so much for having me, Sherry.
2: I'm really excited to be here.
1: Okay. Well, and Angele, for those of you who follow the show, she was actually here a couple of seasons back, a couple of years ago, um, as uh, part of a panel on health and wellness. And I invited her back because she is the grand finale, if you will, of our Second Act series that um, has been running this season. For those of you listening for the first time, our Second Act series is a new series Um, produced at the Palace Theatre and I like to call it a storytelling series. Um, People who are doing some interesting unique uh, inspiring things in the second acts of their life. And Angele you are certainly um, doing that and you've kind of evolved and her presentation by the way is coming up on June 25th 6pm in our Poli Club at the Palace Theatre right here in Waterbury. It's a great time um, to just learn about different things people are doing. You get a nice meal and it's $25. And if you're an AARP or OLLI member, it's $20. So, Angie, I want to just dive right in because I was trying to, you have a provocative kind of description of your presentation. Do you want to tell our listeners about that a little bit? You call it the Uh, the f-words in our lives the f-words now i know i can think of one of those (laughs) but i don't think that's the f-words that you have in mind and without you know tipping our hand too much because we want people to come to your presentation and learn all that you have to share your kind of pearls of wisdom about the f-words we're going to talk about two of them today but before we do that what's your previous background like how did you you were a fitness trainer I still am yes, okay but so how how did how did you get how did you get to be a fitness trainer like what was your life about that that was that brought of, me there
2: yeah um, Truly, I've been a a wellness junkie my entire life. Um, I grew up in a household where health was made a priority. Growing up in the woods of Maine, there wasn't a whole lot to do up there, so (laughs) sports was a big part of my life. Um, When I came to Connecticut, I met this really cute guy who introduced me to weight training and I immediately fell in love with uh, weight training and him and I know he's listening so love you baby Um, (laughs) him and I together uh, are very passionate about wellness and we started taking some nutrition classes, some sports classes, um, even some psychology classes because we really wanted to get into the depth of it Um, and then this beautiful thing happened, I found out I was going to be a mom and my passion grew that much more because I wanted to know how to help raise a really um, healthy child and, and
1: and how I could help him. Let me interrupt you for a second because you said, I think, something that's um, critical. And, well, and not that you can't make changes because if we believe that, you wouldn't be here, I wouldn't be here. Um, but you were raised in a home where you said health and wellness was a priority. I mean... Talk about that a little bit, your parents. Like where, how did that, oh, and what were they about? Um, they were about
2: growing ginormous gardens with um, every vegetable and fruit and herb that you could ever think of. And part of my job was to go out there and, and, and harvest that um It was always home-cooked meals. There wasn't junk food in the house. Um, We raised chickens, so we had fresh eggs, Uh um, and that was my job, you know, to gather eggs. And we were always active, you know. Again, I grew up in the woods of Maine. I I chopped wood, and um, I was expected, you know, to help around the yard, and I've just... Being active and and good nutrition has always been a part of my life. My dad was actually a commissioner of agriculture up there, so oh, it go, wow. It runs very deep.
1: Oh, know. my goodness. Well, you know, and, th- and this is totally off topic, but there is a school of thought, and I think there's a lot to be said for it in terms of how we raise children and the changes that occurred when we went from an agrarian to an industrial society and because children were expected to participate in um, raising what people ate and there was a job and they had a purpose and when we moved from that children's purpose And I mean I, I don't want to go off topic completely mm-hmm. but you know so I, I I think what I'm saying is not only did you grow up in a home where um you know, eating well was valued. Your dad was commissioner of agriculture, so that obviously played a part in it. But you also knew you had a role in helping the family um, eat, and basically, you know, and, and, and so I think that's, you know, the young, you know, I say young woman, you're younger than I am, but you're you're getting to that second act place. <laughs> you are, pretty much. And um, you you... You could pass for 20 years younger than you are. If you could see oh. Angel sitting here, not only her her body but her face and her skin is you glow. Oh, thank you so much. You're, oh, too you're kind. welcome. <laughs> well, but I think that's because you've been putting good stuff into your body and taking care of your body all your life. So, let's talk about one of those f words um, that you know make people nervous and the first one that comes to mind is um food my favorite topic uh my favorite topic (laughs) your favorite topic but when i when i think food and what I personally need to do or continue to do to make changes, you know, and I don't think I'm atypical. Most people think, okay, this means the D words, diet, deprivation, you know, I'm not happy about that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, but you kind of look at it differently. Uh, let's talk a little bit about how you flip that around. Um, I do.
2: First of all, I'm not a huge fan of the word diet when people use it as an acronym for did I eat that. Um, I would flip it around and just remind people that it's 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 a noun. It strictly means what we habitually eat in a day. Um, I don't believe in, in deprivation. I would say don't focus on what you think you shouldn't be eating I would focus on what can I add to what I eat where can I add more healthy foods that will naturally crowd out you know the things that you think that you shouldn't be eating or, or what you don't want to be eating so um, what can I add more in not what am I gonna take out um, and you know you, you got to let go of the guilt and the shame there's no right wrong um, it's it's maybe more healthy less healthy um, and you just need to not focus so much on what you think you shouldn't
1: eat. And and I think you know when you when you start to um, identify and say I want to I want to be in a healthier place, um, and you start to chip away in small bites—no <laughs> pun intended—but <laughs> small pieces of things you can um, change. Replace and and I find that when I fill up with things that are good for me, uh, there's actually just less room for those things that aren't. Exactly, exactly. You know, so I, I um and I appreciate your guidance and Jill, and I have been working together for a while. And I met her at Peak Physical Therapy, where um you work, and mm-hmm. also then you run the wellness program, the the health um. At, activities, the exercise program. Yes. Um, Now, I wanna, I'm gonna go backwards here, and I told you I might mix up the order of things. So, you started out as a fitness trainer. Now, how did that evolve from, you talked about meeting your husband and becoming a mom and wanting to raise a healthy child, but along the way, you began to use your, you know, your education, your information, your skills to help other people. How did that start, and what was that?
2: Um, well, again, I'll, I'll go backwards a little bit too, because it was actually, um, my son that kind of inspired that change. Um, I actually started out as a youth trainer. That was my first certification, oh. because I I wanted to know how to help him be stronger and, and prevent injuries, because he was really into sports from the time of three. I wanted to know what kind of nutrition does he need as a growing boy. Um, and, and then later on, I also got certified so that I could train adults, and I worked in an all women's gym um, for some time. But mom was always my number one priority. I wanted to be able to make my own schedule so um, I turned my garage into a, a little studio I created an LLC called armor fitness and I started training out of um, my garage from, since 2009 and um, it's kind of evolved from there
1: okay now I know that on Facebook I see people that I know that you've been involved with um, in helping um, reach their fitness goals and then I Over the last few years, you came to a new, another, kind of another milestone, if you will, Mm -hmm. and in your in your blurb in second act that you talk about, you came to um, the place where mom was kind of changing, and talk about how that pushed you to the next phase because now you're a certified um, integrative health coach. So we want to know what that means. Um, I'm going to take, think about that because mm-hmm. we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to find out what all that means. Great. Stay tuned.
0: Entertaining new possibilities. The
1: and we're back with Your Palace, your Place. I'm Sherry Marcucci, your host and we've been talking with Angeel McLaughlin-Murray who is an integrated health Coach, and she is going to be the um, final presenter in the second act series um, that we've been presenting over the course of this year. Her presentation is on June 25th. It's a Tuesday evening, and um, right before the break, we were talking with Angel about there came a time in her place where she, in her life, where she kind of began to feel a need to transition from a fitness trainer to the. This new um, uh, title now that you've um, embraced called an integrative health coach. Now, what's the difference between a fitness trainer and an integrative health coach? Um,
2: that's a, actually a, a great question. I, I don't know if I would so much call them different. I would say that they're very. Um, good companions Um, I still feel empowered by lifting weights and pushing my body and I absolutely love um, seeing other people do things that they thought that you know they would never be able to do Mm -hmm. Um, but now I've just I've learned a lot through my own experiences and through listening to clients that it's it's a lot more than just um you know the number on a scale or the weight we lift or the foods that we eat it's you know it's also why are we eating the foods that we eat it's also about the relationships in our lives it's also about um do we are we happy in our careers? Do we have joy in our life? Do we take time to be creative? So I I I want I see it as a much bigger picture now. I don't want to help people just be fit. I want
1: to help them be well and well rounded. I, I love that. And I, I you know when we talk about fitness, I wanted to dissect that word a little bit because that's one of the F words. Mm-hmm. You know, when when someone like me, when I first came to Peak, and I've shared this before in this program, I was at a place, I had been injured, you know, I had an injury. Uh, and. Um, <sighs> I, it, it was it was kind of I was despondent because I had you know my whole life I had been physically active I had danced my whole you know childhood and into adulthood I um, was I, I'm not a sedentary person but I found that. Um, as I aged, things that I didn't take care of were now not taking care of me. And I, I couldn't do things that I took for granted. And that's when I said, whoa, wait a minute. And besides the injury, which prompted me to seek physical therapy at peak, but I some everyday activities were becoming a problem. And I thought, wait a minute, I'm I'm not in the I'm not old, old. <laughs> I shouldn't be here. So why am I here? And that's when I started to um, attend some of the classes, and it was very tentative for me at first because I thought, I can't, I don't, I'm not, I can't do these things, you know. I, but I found that you helped me to find the cans, and so fitness for. Me, uh, that's why I want people listening to really hear this fitness is to me anyway and you can you can expound on this it's being able to live the type of life you want to live to the best of your abilities and you know if you need help in in working toward that so fitness for you is different your fitness and my fitness are not the same Right? Am I right in that kind of description? Uh, Absolutely. I, I, I
2: fitness, I think, is is multifaceted, and it it really is has its own meaning for each individual person. Um, You know, fit to one person could mean they're a marathon runner. Me personally, I don't like to run, so that's you know. But just because you don't run marathons, marathons doesn't make you fit. Um, Fit can just be being able to carry groceries from your car you know to your kitchen without dropping them it's and and
1: that is so true and and the ability to you know as as we age if we're not taking care of the foundation the foundation crumbles i mean that's a i think a metaphor that everybody can understand but that foundation can you can start to put some of those pieces back in place and muscles that aren't used weaken if you begin to use them they get strengthened and i have found that in my case that the kit that's a great um, uh, example: the carrying the groceries and being able to walk up the stairs with the groceries in your arms, as opposed to not being able to do that.
2: Exactly. exactly. Yeah,
1: I mean that that is uh, so freeing. I think, and and I, I just I I hope people listening will get a sense of hope, because whether you're um, ambulatory or not ambulatory, there are things that you can do. To strengthen your body, so you you can do some things. That's why people work with not only um, in a gym, but you know, physical therapists or people working with the um, elderly in home care services. They're working to keep us active and mobile to the to the best that we can be at a given stage of our life yes
2: yeah, absolutely and and you know i and i think sometimes people are afraid of the title personal trainer and you know i keep talking about lifting weights and i i don't necessarily want people to think that that just means lifting barbells over their head yeah. and 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 grunting um it it's a lot of things it's it's incorporating yoga um i you know i have found that pilates talk about that foundational work that's become very huge in my life and i wish i had started that sooner um it's about you know taking a walk it's about um you know if you've ever been to physical therapy you'll learn a lot about how important all those little muscles are as well as the big muscles and um we tend to you know kind of neglect those muscles um so it it's 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 a big picture um and that's what i want to help people realize it's it's there's so much that goes into being well and for each individual um, you know it takes a, a journey of their own and I want to help people absolutely and, and,
1: and you and I share a love for gardening mm-hmm. and when I first came to you I mean I was I was losing the ability to kneel and get down and you know and i love to be down there in the dirt and mm-hmm. so now I can kneel on my knees I can Squat like nobody's business, yeah, yeah. you know, and and get really low to the ground. And um, I love the fact that I can do that again. And so I, I, for if you're listening, you're saying, yeah, yeah, but I, you know, I'm I'm being honest with you. You can, you can regain some of what you think you've lost forever. You really can. It's
2: never too late. It's never too late. And there's gonna be days that you feel like Wonder Woman, and there's gonna be days where it's hard to get out of bed, and that's just part of it and
1: you know you just work through that I think that's a good point to make because and we talk about this in classes. like one one week you're doing all the moves whatever it is and you know it's like wow I'm like fierce today and then the next time you're like wobbling all over the place so Mm -hmm. our bodies do fluctuate so and not to be um, despondent about that or think oh my goodness like you know I can't do that well I don't want to give all the secrets away, so I want I want people to know that Angel has a lot more up her sleeve about those F-words that you haven't heard about yet and how they factor into our journey um, to be as um, well and fit as we can be at various stages of our life. was is, is, is at a place now where she um, has is turning a page, let's say it that way. And so her second act now is really embracing um, wellness in all its facets, and she wants to share that with people. Um, And um, you can hear all about it on June 25th at the Palace Theatre right here in Waterbury. You can get tickets by going to Palace Theater, ct.org, or calling 203-346-2000. Our box office will be open at ten o'clock. Angel, I'm so thrilled to know you and to have you as a friend. I really appreciate, you know, your friendship and caring. She's 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 wonderful. She really is, and she's encouraging and supportive. And um, um, you you will you will get a lot from um, meeting her and listening to what she has to say. So thank you for being here this oh, morning. Thank
2: you. For having me, and if anybody out there could see me, I'm blushing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it looks pretty on you. So, (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much. And we are going to uh, take a quick break. But when we come back, I have a guest who I'm very excited to have. Susan L. Schulman is going to give us some backstage. I don't want to call it dirt because it isn't dirt, but dish about the Broadway industry. Susan is a press agent, and if you've ever wondered, well, what do they really do? You're going to get a chance to find out after these messages. Stay tuned.
0: Entertaining new possibilities. The Palace Theater, your palace, your place. Show! Sure.
1: And we're back with Your Palace, Your Place. I'm Sherry Marcucci, your host, and Your Palace, Your Place is a presentation of the Palace Theater right here in Waterbury, Connecticut, where we present touring Broadway, the national tours, as well as all kinds of other entertainment, that concerts and music and comedy. So if you haven't been, and if you haven't seen the magnificent Palace Theater, by all means, do yourself a favor. And tomorrow is Connecticut Open House Day, and it's your opportunity to take a peek inside meet the reigning Miss Connecticut and Miss Outstanding Connecticut teen um, prior to the their uh scholarship pageants uh tomorrow evening where they crown their new new queen so um i promised you before the break that um i was going to introduce you to a woman who i'm just getting to know and um i am so excited that she agreed to be a guest this morning on your Palliser place and that is susan l shulman good morning susan good morning sherry how are you i'm well i'm well and i'm so thrilled that you um Said yes when I asked you to be oh, a guest. I'm delighted. Well, you know, Susan, um, I feel like your um, your your role as a theatrical press agent, which we're going to explain to the listeners what that means. But you and I do some similar things in my role as the marketing and public relations officer at the Palace here in mm-hmm. Waterbury, and and um, you're the counterpart I deal with uh, when we have shows coming uh, to the Palace.
0: Absolutely, we're the, we're a team
1: we're a team and uh, but you have such a breadth of experience that i i i just got finished reading your book as i as i um told you earlier this week susan is um she's got a a career that spans 40 years in the industry her book backstage pass to broadway true tales of a theater press agent uh, is is fascinating because you do name names but not in a not in a um, you know a negative way. I mean, some people, you know, you kind of tell the story a little bit about those who aren't mm-hmm. always sometimes, nice.
0: Sometimes people there are a few are, difficult are wonderful people. wonderful and you, behave with grace and dignity and, and, and humor, and sometimes they don't.
1: Yeah, and but you're not salacious <laughs> at all. So not at all. I think and it's all true.
0: Everything, imp- everything and, and something else. The stories that I tell that are maybe not so wonderful about people are all things that happened in public. Ah. So if somebody did something really unfortunate in front of fifty people, mm-hmm. that's different than me telling a story of something that I know because I was in a private room with somebody where they said something terrible.
1: Yes. absolutely. So it's a different
0: kind of storytelling. I'm not I'm not telling tales that, you know, are somebody's deepest secrets. Right. What I'm talking about is sometimes as I say, sometimes wonderful, kind, generous behavior, and sometimes not so much. But the not so much part was always done in public.
1: Yes, and I think that's an important um, point to to note. And you have a wonderful reputation. And Susan, as I mentioned um, earlier in this program, you were on a panel earlier this week at the Stratford Public Library uh, for a program put on by the Connecticut Chapter League of Professional Theater Women. Yes,
0: it was so much fun. And we, I, I, we talked I, about Tony. Our Tony predictions.
1: Yeah, and I. So, so we'll get to that in a second. But before we do that, I'd like you to explain a little bit about what does a theatrical press agent do. Mm-hmm. What is, what is your, what is that all about?
0: Well, first, of, excuse me. First <laughs> of all, nobody really knows what a press agent does. They think it's air. <laughs> I would say, <laughs> but the truth is, I, the, I think the most important thing we, thing we do is create the right expectations for both audience members and critics. In other words, if you're selling apples, Mm -hmm. and they could be the greatest apples in the world, and you're telling people about these fabulous apples you're going to get, and then at the end of the day they get pears, they could be fabulous pairs but that's not what they were anticipating. Mm. And so it's creating the right expectations. If you're if you're promoting an Ibsen play, you don't want to say it's a knee snapping, a knee slapping <laughs> laugh riot. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Or if you're selling a comedy, you don't want to say it's deeply, you know, uh, meaningful. You know it's not. So you have to be true to the project and obviously present it in the most positive and and most interesting way you can. But you always have to be true to what it is that you're selling, so to speak, and to create the right expectations.
1: Can I give you an
0: example of a time I didn't get it right? Yes. I was handling a play, a a musical called Dancin that was created by the wonderful Bob Fosse, who (laughs) you probably all just learned about in Fosse Verdon, the TV oh,
1: series. Oh, yes.
0: Yes, and, uh, and I have to say that was pretty true to form. It was, it was pretty realistic. But anyway, a dancing was always supposed to be a musical review of a bunch of dance numbers that Fosse would say he wanted to put on stage before he got too old. <laughs> and when the show opened in Boston, the critics hated it. And they said, there's no storyline, there's no theme, there's no mm-hmm. book, because up until then, Fossey had done Sweet Charity and Chicago sure. musicals that had a book. Yeah. So there was a story. And dancing was the opposite of that. There was no story. There was no book. There was no theme. It was just a bunch of dance numbers. They were all wonderful, but there were there was no book. And so somehow in Boston, we did not create the right expectations. We thought we had, but we, we'd said all the right things, but we hadn't gotten it across and when the show was coming to broadway it was about 95 percent the same show and i sat down with bob fossey and i said look i've just set up a a sunday times arts and leisure feature for you that's going to come out before the show opens and it's very very important that you talk about the fact that there's no theme there's no story there's no book it's just a bunch of dance numbers and he did and the show opened virtually the same show in boston and the critics raved, and they said, "It's fabulous." There's no book, there's no story, there's no theme, <laughs> because that time we created the right expectation.
1: That's so. That's very important. And I know that in when we're approaching, you know, a sh- new show coming in, and uh, we um, speak to the to the press agent on the in the New York office or wherever mm-hmm. they're located. They're not always right. in New York, but the national press agent. Um, right we we spend a lot of time on that and they're very clear what their show is and mm-hmm. what it isn't so we can then make sure that in anything we do mm-hmm. On our end, that, that that message is accurate. It's so important. Absolutely. Because absolutely. as I
0: say, if you're expecting apples and you get oranges, mm-hmm. you're not happy.
1: Right, right.
0: And they could be fabulous oranges, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And that's true of everything. You know, we, we come in with an expectation. Yeah. And if but, that expectation isn't met, it, you know... Things go bad.
1: Let me ask you a question, just out of curiosity on my end. Like sometimes what will play in and I hate to use this old phrase, what plays in Peoria doesn't always play in somewhere else. Like what plays in Waterbury um, or what resonates may not be what resonates in Chicago or l a. So uh, I, I think I think it's becoming more and more, the same, Mm -hmm. because I think people
0: are sophisticated, much more sophisticated than maybe they're given credit for, and I think people are pretty savvy about Shows, but um, I know sometimes people do bring those kinds of prejudices. I mean, years ago I handled a wonderful musical called State Fair, which mm-hmm. was a remake of, of a Rodgers and Hammerstein uh, piece that was originally written for film and then translated to theater, and it was it was like comfort food. You know, people just would sit there with a big dopey grin on their faces <laughs> and and loved it. I mean, it was you know it was it was it wasn't slick. It was done in an old fashioned way with old fashioned. Scenery, you know, painted backdrops and all that. Mm-hmm. And there was something about it that was really charming and fun. And you just had a good time. You yeah. know, it wasn't heavy lifting. It was just fun. Mm-hmm. And um, all across the country, people loved it. But when it was coming to New York, there was something. And it wasn't ever really supposed to come to New York. It just suddenly did. Mm-hmm. Um, because somebody threw money at it. But the, the New York critics had just seen Rent. Rent. Ow. Rent had just opened and mm. Rent was this edgy, you yes. know, modern hip show and suddenly they felt the need to compare State Fair and Rent.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they, you know, they were two completely different things. Sure. And probably, you know, uh, n- at that that season nothing was going to stand. It was like Hamilton, you know, it was yes. it was it. And and it was a shame because the truth was the, the New York audience loved it just as much as the out-of-town audiences did across the country. Mm-hmm. But they were be, sort of being told that it wasn't cool. Mm-hmm. It wasn't hip. And because of that, it, it, it closed. Yeah. And it was too bad, because there was an audience for it. Sure, well, so It was it, interesting. It wasn't so much the audiences as the critics sort of telling them what
1: to think in that case. Yeah. Yeah, that's a shame. And today's audience, you, you mentioned they're, they're savvier, um, and I think um, we've raised um, expectations of what, when you go to see, um, particularly a musical, there's got to be a lot of bells and whistles for a show to be successful mm-hmm. today. Yeah, um, yes. People aren't, uh, you know, in uh, no disrespect to the, the shows that came out, you know, in the 50s and 40s, mm-hmm. 50s, but Today's audience is well, looking at Well, they had
0: I think, different bells and whistles. You know, they yes. had Mary Martin. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> you know, it can't be exactly. Bad.
1: But but as things evolve, so people's expectations change. Mm-hmm. Helicopters. And, you want helicopters? Yeah. So how does that as as a as a person who's in the industry, um, how do you see how the audience uh, expectation has evolved? How does that impact what's being produced now and put out uh, on the road and or, or even in New York?
0: Well, I think that we're more and more star-driven. Um, mm-hmm. I
1: think that producers
0: feel that unless they've got a big name attached to something, it's going to be very tough to sell, especially mm-hmm. if it's something new that people don't know. I mean, th- there's a there's a new musical that just opened on Broadway uh, uh, called Tootsie, and it's based on the, the Dustin Hoff- Hoffman film mm-hmm. uh, sure. from the 80s, and so there's a kind of instant um recognition of what it's going to be although in fact the musical is has taken the the movie to a whole other level and it's wonderful i think it's the best thing on broadway right now oh, um, and and it's somebody that most people don't know although he's a broadway uh, well respected broadway actor um, um, uh, santino fontana fontana who plays Tootsie, who plays the you know the leading actor who turns into a woman for to get a job um, <laughs> and it's it's not star-driven as much as title-driven in this case, because yes. people recognize the title, and they go, oh yeah, that's that movie, you know, Dustin Hoffman. So they kind of know what to expect when they go in. Mm-hmm. Um, on the flip side of that, there's a show that is getting rave reviews, which I loved, called What the Constitution Means to Me, which is basically a one-woman show. It's a straight play, mm-hmm. and, and it came kind of, you know, from off-off-Broadway, and nobody knew the, the actress that both wrote it and stars in it, Heidi Schreck, and she's now up for best play, and she's up for best actress in a play, and it's, it's kind of the antithesis of what people think, you know, a, a Broadway play should be, yes, you know, it's up yeah. against Ferryman, which has a cast of like 20 people, and, you know, uh, Gary that has Nathan Lane, you know, and here's this one, it's basically a one-woman show, there's actually two other people in it, but the minor roles and you know it's such an unlikely hit and yet it's wonderful and people love it and are very passionate about it I I am too I loved
1: it you know that's I, I think that's what you just said though is uh, speaks a lot to so there's still room for uh, the, the the straight the play certainly um, a play without all the um, theatricality that mm-hmm. you would see in a spectacle show exactly and, and and I and that's important that we don't lose that because in those those little gems, I, I think we really get some important messages
0: absolutely. and this is this this what the Constitution means to me is about the most unlikely hit you could think of. yeah a, a woman comes out and she talks about how when she was fifteen, she used to enter a uh, speaking contests uh, about the Constitution, which at which she won all the time because she was really good at it, mm-hmm. and which put her through college. Wow. And so she's both playing herself at 15 at the beginning of the play, and at the end of the play, she's talking about who she's evolved into and what she really now thinks about the Constitution and what's wrong with it. Wow. Um, and really Very thought-provoking. Really makes you think about it. And at the end of the play, they hand out copies of the Constitution to everybody in the audience.
1: Wow. It's terrific. Yeah, that is. I love and that. And
0: even if 1% go home and read it, how cool is that?
1: Yeah. And and really, it gets us talking about the things that we need to be talking yes. about. Susan, we have three minutes. Okay. Three <laughs> I, minutes. I, I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> well, I'll come back. Oh, well, I appreciate that. And just one quick prediction for our okay. audience, for the Tonys. Okay, let's see. Well, best, best musical, it's
0: the, the, the consensus seems to be that it's between Hadestown and Tootsie are the two leading ones. I I kind of think Tootsie, but a lot of people think Haiti's so we'll see. Okay. Uh, best play seems to be Boiling Down between the Ferryman by Jez Butterworth, which is this big sprawling uh, play about a huge Irish family and includes a live goose, um, a live baby, a live oh. rabbit and a lot of actors ranging from little girls to elderly actors and is fascinating. And the main um, competition is what the Constitution means to me. So those are the big ones. The best, best revival is the other one that's kind of interesting because it's between Kiss Me Kate, which is a very good revival of Kiss Me Kate done in a much more politically correct way so that husband doesn't beat the wife. And, you know, it's yes, sort of yes. a twist on it. And it was sort of rewritten by Amanda Green, who is Adolph Green's daughter of Comden and Green. Oh, sure. So, so it's kind of politi- more politically correct. And some people thought it was fabulous. And some people thought it was kind of meh. And the competition for Best Revival of a Musical is Oklahoma, which is this very edgy, very um, nouveau version that, again, some people hate and some people love. It's very polarizing
1: well S- Susan it's been, it's I have to interrupt oh, you because no, I'm no. getting like they're flagging me like hurry up Sherry so hurry up shut up <laughs> Susan right. but I know you appreciate that so absolutely I get it I, I am so thrilled to have had a chance to uh, share with our listeners all your knowledge and I will definitely take you up on your offer to come back very soon
0: can I be a press agent and plug my book again of course you can Called "Backstage Pass to Broadway," and if you're interested, and I can send you a signed copy if you go to www.broadwaypasstobroadway.com.
1: I would love that because I did download it on my Kindle and I read the whole thing, and it, it, it's fascinating. It's got all the names you would expect. So, <laughs> Susan L. Elshulman, thank you so much. And um, audience, we're we're running out of time. We're down to a minute, and I, as always, want to remind you um, for um, to Contact the Palace Theatre at 203-346-2000 to learn all about our upcoming fabulous season. Our Broadway series is just chock full of all kinds of good things. A Bronx Tale, The Play That Goes Wrong, Les Miserables for a Week, An American in Paris, Finding Neverland. So much. Go to palacetheaterct.org to hear everything and read about it. And I will see you, not in two weeks, but I won't see you again until July when we have our open house live broadcast at Ali, the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute. So be well, have a wonderful uh, summer, and I will be back with you at the end of July. Thank you for listening.
0: Entertaining new possibilities. The Palace Theater, your palace, your place.